Well, hello. It is Wednesday, January the 20th of 2016. My name is Nolan Kaler. And I'm Daniel Friesen. And this is Wittenberg Radio. I almost said Winterberg Radio. It'd be seasonally appropriate. It would be. It is cold, but... It's not, unfortunately, called Winterberg Radio. We are Wittenberg Radio, and you can check us out at wittenbergradio.com for past episodes as well. Subscribe on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. Check out Twitter at Wittenberg Radio to get updated on when that latest episode comes out. Facebook page, same deal, Wittenberg Radio. And to email us comments, questions, concerns, favorite recipes, jokes. Uh, I don't know. What else would they send us? Unsolicited advice. Send us all of your advice at WittenbergRadio at gmail.com. <laughs> I, 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 I love advice. I, I know. I was just thought I could have come up with something a little more creative. <laughs> it's if In case everyone out there can't hear, we sound a little more tired than we normally do because we're recording this uh, at the end of the day instead of at the beginning of the day like we normally do. Yeah, so, so we've had a bunch of... We've had another two, like another two hours of classes in under our belts and... We're gearing up for evening class as well, so that's okay. Dan, what class are you in that uh, is sapping all of your energies? Oh, well, I have Psycho Music coming up right after this. And I'm giving a presentation about music and identity. Show up to that class if you want to hear that. You won't hear this you won't. <laughs> That's how tired we are. We're speaking out of the past. Um, I am going to be heading to my journalism, advanced journalism class right after this and I submitted an assignment that I want to talk to our next guest about. Speaking of guests, later on in the show we'll be hearing from Rebecca Steiner, recruitment coordinator here at Canadian Mennonite University. She is also involved with Theatre of the Beat, a traveling theatre troupe that recently performed a, uh, a show called This Will Lead to Dancing, a conversation about homosexuality and the Mennonite church. But first, it is no secret that um, over the holidays, there was a lot of sporting turmoil that took place here in Canada. Uh, Most notably, the World Junior Hockey Championship, which Canada lost in the quarterfinals. This is a tournament that Canada normally dominates, and uh, they are out in the quarterfinal for the first time since 1998. And here to offer his explanation of the events is Craig's Corner. Craig Newfold is a writer with the Red River Valley Echo and has this segment once a week in the paper and print form, but now he is a multimedia journalist, to borrow something from our shared journalism class, and he is going to be on the radio with us. Welcome here. Carl would be proud that you would use a multimedia journalism. He would. Carl DeGers, that's a shout out for you there, buddy. <laughs> okay, Craig, World Juniors, let's, I have, let's, let's talk. What happened? Oh... Is this, is this still it's, a sore subject for you? Yeah, I tried to repress that. Um, yeah, it's... They're, apart from Canada not being as good as they usually are, I guess, or usually have, or have been at least, the other countries looked really good. They really did look look good. Um, it was super fun watching, like, Finland, Finland play, even the U.S., Sweden... They have some good players. All good. They have some really good players. They I, were they were all they were all amazing. The, the the top line for Finland especially was really impressive. Oh man, I just when I listen to Craig Button talk on uh, TSN, <laughs> he just says those two Finns that are going to get drafted in the top three this mm-hmm. year. They were they were spectacular, and they really were. Mm-hmm. They really were. So uh, yeah, it's yeah. I know we can get into Canada's Canada's issues, and I hope I can't wait for you to bring that up. But I just want to give out. Some credit yes. to the other countries. Credit, they credit, were... credit where credit's due. Yep. So, 
Okay, we mentioned the draft there, and these two Finnish players are going to be selected pretty high. For those who do do not know, uh, each summer uh, NHL teams get the opportunity to select minor league players and uh, welcome them into their franchise. And this is a uh, and this is something also that Canadians generally there's a lot of Canadians in these in these first couple of rounds of drafting. But this year, for the first time in a number of years, a Canadian is not predicted to go in the, in the top ten picks. Mm-hmm. This is the uh, the first time in a very very long time this has happened. So between that fact, the fact that our players um, are not getting drafted as highly as they used to in this year, um, or the fact that we're falling out of this once this tournament that we once dominated in the quarterfinal, uh, is it possible, Craig, you the hockey player, that our dominance of this game on the world stage is waning? Yes, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Please enlighten me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like, I mean, I guess when when we're talking about the junior level here, that's ages 16 to 19. There's a very select few, and depending on what your pool of people is, that's how good your team's going to be. Now, when we look back to the past couple Olympics and Canada's hockey, that was fairly dominant. Canada let in only three goals at the last Olympics and pretty well dominated throughout the whole the whole course of that event. So when we look at um, like the pinnacle of hockey, the Olympic Olympic gold medal, Canada still looks pretty good. But at the junior level, I actually did obviously after um, after Canada loses in the quarterfinals, you've got to go do research as to why this happened. Everyone's kind of squir- squirming around and right. wondering what's going on. There's got to be a logical There's explanation There's got to be this. a reason for it. And I actually stumbled upon an article that talked about how Hockey Canada has just made systems mandatory for the way you are growing up through like your novice to all the way up. And I realized kind of how true that was. They're, it's almost like taking skill out of the game for, for Canadian hockey players. And that's whatever. Like, that can be partially true, partially not true. Um, but it is at least partially true. Um, growing up and playing hockey in Canada, um, coaches teach you systems, and that's kind of how it's supposed to be done. Whereas when you go overseas, um, I haven't been overseas, but I've heard that overseas... Like you see some of these, like some of these Finnish players, Swedish players, Russian players, they're unbelievably skilled. The hands they have, um, their stick handling abilities and their scoring abilities are just magnificent. And you kind of got to wonder, like maybe is that the way to go sometimes? Uh, do you, should you lean more on skill rather than system? Um, as, as much, as far as growing up wise, once you get to the NHL, it's, everyone's kind of at the same playing field. So a system is necessary, but growing up i mean i guess you got to teach those skills at some point can you elaborate a little bit more what you mean by systems systems so when instead of grabbing the puck and trying to go score down the ice maybe it would be a okay this is what our breakout is going to be and a breakout is how you get out of your own end so the d-man's going to get the puck behind the net and he's going to pass it off to a winger along the boards and the center is going to swing this way and he's going to pass it this way and they have their own lanes that they have to be in and the coach tells them if you're not in this place you're doing it wrong well how about kids just go get the puck and have some fun and go score a goal Mm. like try try to do something with it instead of instead of saying no you can't go on this part of the ice because that's not what the system says so then the european style 
or the Scandinavian style would be more of a free form. More uh, of a free form. And also, also to that point would be uh, Canadians, we love to play what's called the dump and chase game. Uh, the dump and chase is you get over the red line to avoid icing and dump the puck into the corner and just go chase after the puck and go hit somebody. Whereas overseas, the European game would be more if there's nothing available, don't dump the puck in. Pass. <laughs> I, pass the microphone off to the left. Whoops, I just did it again. Uh, pass the puck back to uh, pack, back to your D-man and keep uh, and keep the puck in your possession w- rather than give it back to them and try to go get it back. So things like that have mm-hmm. a cause, cause for concern, I guess, or could be. It's something that is prevalent that you, like you can see. And if you watch any hockey game today, you can see that anyone from. Um, like you know, it's it's almost like a stereotype. The Russians are known for fast skaters with mm-hmm. quick hands. Yep. P- players like Ovechkin or uh, Tarasenko or someone like yep. that. Uh, same more so with the Swedes and yep. yeah, Canada's known for these big these big guys that can dump mm-hmm. a puck in and can yep. throw a huge hit yep. when they need to. There are exceptions, of course, but like this yep. is the this is the predominant stereotype. Yeah, the stereotypical Canadian hockey player is a big bruiser who can't think for himself and just yes. goes and hits somebody and tries to punch the puck into the net we are a nation of john scotts <laughs> now certainly a stylistic difference uh that like you mentioned would be significant but isn't it also certain to a certain extent just a, a matter of statistics and like you know we had you know mm-hmm. over a decade of great players yep. and now we don't have as many great players and other countries do like you know can't isn't it just as much as you know sports especially at a high level is a random number generator on which you tack a narrative yeah. you know um couldn't wouldn't that just be an explanation of like hey it wasn't our year that's what happened totally yeah no totally as well and i think well i think that's just that might be the scary part about it what if it's what if it's not our year for years to come that's when canada starts to panic i think and mm-hmm. then that's why all these things come up as to like okay what's the solution for this how do we fix this um because well here we get into the nature versus nurture debate like no good <laughs> is it yeah or, like i mean obviously you're born with incredible skill to be a talented hockey player like that but how do you nurture that skill into um into teamwork into um what you do on the ice what you do off the ice everything like that how do you how do you nurture that skill into something even greater than that to to win gold medals yeah this is the big thing uh one other uh, factor that might be weighing in here uh the statistics are coming out from uh well i was just re- recently reading a piece from stats canada that's showing that well you, as one can it's easy to imagine canada being uh more like they're turning away from hockey because of cost um ice time in this city has gone up 50 dollars an hour in the last two years equipment is a costs are far higher gas costs for weekend tournaments exposed like exposition for players um gas money i could go on for a long time is it possible that this deterrent from the game is starting to stunt our talent pool perhaps it definitely could be yeah no i've heard a lot about this as well um and actually in to do something about this mark messier has actually started a is it called the first shift yeah uh, yeah, yeah. He started the first shift where it's, what is it, a hundred dollars for, or two hundred fifty dollars or a, something. It's a, it's a like it's an actual like incentive to, to get for, your kids equipment and yeah. get in the on, so you and get, get on the ice yeah, again. So kids get equipment. They get six ice time session, sessions to kind of build up their love for the game or fun for mm-hmm. the game. And I guess like 
Mark Messier might stop by and pop in yet too. Right. So that's uh, only only, <laughs> only, when the cameras are, only when the cameras are rolling. It seems. Yeah. Um, but he's but he started this initiative, and I think that's I think that is definitely good for families that can't afford to put their kids through hockey. And I mean, that's got to be tough. But I mean, if if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Right. It's expensive. Yeah. This yeah. is true. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it creates uh, the wave. It creates like a bit of a. a a niche for other sports like there's mm-hmm. a st- there's studies out saying that basketball might soon like uh come up and be canada's new number new number yeah, one we sport do have a lot of good uh, good basketball players we're coming up, up college, we're coming NBA. a lot yeah. of great basketball players yeah. and just the it could easily be argued the success of the raptors is is starting yeah. to translate over as well yeah yeah i know for sure it's an interesting debate uh we'll have uh We'll have to follow up on this in the future. Yeah, we definitely yes. will. Yes. Craig's Corner. Craig Newfold joining us here on Wittenberg Radio. You can read his thoughts in the Red River Valley Echo. It is a website too, right? Pemmenatoday.ca. Yeah, you can read every newspaper. We can read every newspaper in that yeah. in that chain. So yeah. catch Craig's If you want to corner. know what's going on in Altona, just... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How are, the, how are the Maroons? Maroons are doing all right. Yeah, we got a game, uh, game coming up Thursday, game Saturday. We are middle of the pack, looking to finish at least... Hopefully second. First place is kind of a reach. All right. <laughs> well, best of luck getting that second place. Thank you very much. There's been a lot of turnover in the admissions department here on campus in recent months. Coming into school this year, there were many new admissions counselors. Indeed, last week's guest, Mike Weeb, just got the job this semester. One other new face is the recruitment coordinator for CMU, Rebecca Steiner. Rebecca graduated from the University of Waterloo and is also a practicing playwright and actor in the city, working as the general manager with Theatre of the Beat, a traveling theatre group uh, based out of Ontario, which this past semester put on a production called This Will Lead to Dancing here in Winnipeg, an exploration of homosexuality in the Mennonite Church. Rebecca Steiner joins us here in studio. Hello! Hi! How's the cold? Oh, I love it. You love it? I do, actually. You might be the only person to say that. (laughs) I know, but it's sunny and there's blue skies, you just bundle up. It's better than gray slush. That's you know what I hadn't thought about it that way, but I guess in Ontario, like it gets like kind of it gets kind of mo- like it's a pretty moderate temperature, and yeah. then it's okay. At least at least here you know what you're getting. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> okay, so you were at University of Waterloo. What is your ideal job coming out of university? Oh my gosh, I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love working with people. I love being able to use my creativity and. Yeah, it, work with people. I think that's kind of the number one thing I'm looking for when I look for a job. So theater is great. Um, I've worked in church environments before in church leadership roles. Um, but yeah, the CMU job came up and intrigued me. So Okay, so when you see the CMU job, recruitment coordinator mm-hmm. wanted, uh, what are your first thoughts? Well, I mean, it didn't exactly happen that way. <laughs> um, I was sort of brought on board at the last minute, like just before September, which mm-hmm. is a very busy season for recruitment started. So I'd been in conversation with some of the people here at CMU um, that I had just known in other contexts, and they had been, I've been chatting with them about, oh, like maybe different ways I could get involved at CMU. And so, yeah, this thing happened and it all was a whirlwind and I was really excited because I wanted to work in this dynamic environment with all lots of really awesome people at CMU and that was the biggest draw for me. Hmm. Um, what were your perceptions of this university coming in? What were my perceptions yeah, of like, CMU? What, what, like, what, like, I'm sure that living in Waterloo that you've, you sure. know some things about CMU. What, sure. what, did, what did you know about the institution coming in? And maybe how have we changed the way that you, that you see this place? How like, um, 
<laughs> Candid, you want me to be here? <laughs> it's up to you. Okay, okay, you. okay. Up to you. Well, I mean, I was I, at different times throughout like university and post graduating, I looked at CMU website and been interested in like a master of theological studies, that type mm. of thing. Um, yeah, I've always been, I guess, intrigued by Winnipeg and CMU. And I know a lot of people who have graduated from CMU mm. and they have had great experiences. So I guess that was sort of my context. Um, yeah, I went to Conrad Grable, which was a similar experience in that it's community-based, sure. um, a faith community, but it was in the context of a larger university, so it's a bit different. Mm-hmm. And yeah, since coming here, I've just been noticing, okay, it is quite different. Like CMU, you can engage with your professors all the time and really get to know them, and they're totally open to chatting with you as a student, and so that's a bit different, and I think a really special thing. You've got the pitch down pat for the students. I'm just hearing, mm. oh, you've got the small, you've got the small class size. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. That's what we talk about. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so you step on the campus for the first time as a staff member. Mm-hmm. What's going through your mind? Um, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess it's interesting to be on the other side of an educational institution. Like hmm. I've been a student for five years or whatever and graduated a few years ago. And so now it's interesting to be coming back to a school and but working on the other side of things so yeah it's it's kind of fun I feel like a lot of people think I'm a student here which feels like natural and feel like I could be a student um but no it's exciting to be part of the behind the scenes working of CMU and seeing what all goes into that hmm now this is not your only job we hinted at it in your intro that you also are the general manager of theater of the beat now what for those people who do not know what is theater of the beat sure yeah theater of the beat is a traveling theater company we're based out of ontario and we tour across canada with original plays that we've created and they're all plays that we have written that we hope will start conversations about social justice um, and peace themes from a, a faith perspective often they're written for the mennonite church that's kind of where some of us come from in the troupe Um, But we've also performed at a lot of fringe festivals and different theater venues across Canada. So it's kind of, we often say we exist in the middle of a Venn diagram, that little football shaped place. One side being the Mennonite church and the other side being sort of the artist um, scene, I guess. And so it's an interesting place to exist because often those two realms are kind of like at odds with each other. But sometimes there's there's lots of um, similarities too, so it's a cool place to be. How have you seen those two uh, be at odds with each other as you work in this uh, in this company? Um, well, it's interesting. Like this one play that we just finished touring in the fall, this week to dancing, um, as you mentioned, explored um, the topic of homosexuality in the church, and so in the artist community, that's just a very natural, normal, celebrated thing. Um, in the church, it's a conversation that is controversial and is challenging so those like even just some of those cultural dynamics are things that we we live with in both of those scenes and communities and so we find that by being part of both of the communities we can push them from the inside out and be hopefully have some sort of uh, um, reputation not reputation like integrity by being part of both those communities sure um, how did you first hear about uh, theater? Like, how did you get involved in theater of the beat? Like, what 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 stokes your passion for this sort of thing? Sure, yeah. Well, a few of my friends and I, we were graduating from university and talking about what we wanted to do post graduation, and we were in this theater program, 
also taking lots of peace and conflict studies courses and wanted to sort of marry those two um, fields together. And it didn't seem like a thing that many people were doing, um, but we thought that theater could be used as an agent for social change. And so we started this company. And from there, we got commissions from different non-governmental organizations, and they wanted us to help tell their stories to their constituents. And from there, yeah, each year it just sort of continued to grow, and we still don't know where we're going, but... Sure, that's... It's, 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 it's exciting to watch hmm. how this is developing, because I was I'm researching some of the plays, and yeah, like, yeah. there's some really, really interesting stuff. I encourage you to check this out. Theaterofthebeat.ca is the website where you can check it out, and book shows, as I understand it, Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, yeah, that's, for sure. That's really, really cool. Now, what... Uh, how does how does one decide that acting and being a playwright is something that they want to do? What what was your journey to deciding that? Oh mm. yeah, I really really love to do acting. Well, I guess as a kid, like I often stood in front of the mirror and practiced different accents and <laughs> faces and voices, and I, I think it's just always been something I've been drawn to this performance aspect of of theater. Um, and so yeah, through high school, I was in lots of musicals. I think that's often a gateway to theater for people. And then in university, I explored that a lot more, and and I really just became compelled by the different intersections I found between theater and community and peace and faith. And even though there was sometimes tension there, like we talked about a bit earlier, um, I thought it was like a really rich place to be, and so I wanted to pursue the performance side of things. What was what's one example of that intersection between uh, faith and drama that you found as you were studying theater that really compelled you? Well, in a way, I, I kind of see um, a lot of like what happens in acting classes is I mean, almost spiritual because you're really connecting with your body and you're learning about empathy for other characters. And so every time you play a new character, you're learning about someone's story, um, even if it's a fictional play or, um, or story, but it, it's based off of, of life and real humanity. And so that sort of raw human experience that it's happens in theater also happens in church and so I think they too have things to learn from each other yeah for sure what's one character that you find that you maybe you've played or that you've seen that maybe exemplifies this sort of uh like this really awesome intersection between faith and the theater oh man I I don't know if I have played one character who would who would embody that um at one point I played a the soothsayer in Julius Caesar which is kind of like mm. a stage character so I don't know, there's a bit of spirituality there, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think even just in prep, like preparing for your part, there's a lot of work that goes into it that feels like, oh, this is kind of, feels akin to like how we talk about relationships in church, learning about that in the context of a play. Wow. Yeah, spiritual and Shakespeare. I like it. <laughs> uh, we mentioned it before, but uh, this will lead to dancing. The show that was performed here in Winnipeg, uh, it takes on some pretty weighty subject matter. Homosexuality in the church is something that is still quite a, like, it's a it's a hot topic, especially it's, it's even caused some churches to leave mm -hmm, the conference mm -hmm. as a result. Um, what, uh, what role have you seen this particular drama take in uh, aiding that dialogue? Well, when we were touring a few different other shows across Canada, we asked churches, what would you like to see us perform next? What would you like to see us create for our next play? And a lot of people said a play about this. And so we've been wanting to do this for a while and now it seemed like the time has come, like it is now that we need to talk about this. And so we hoped that it would be a conversation starter um, and get people sort of further into this conversation together. We hoped 
it would be a resource for churches and a mm. tool as a way to to start talking about it if it's something that has been like churches have been aware of and wanted to engage with but weren't quite sure how to begin um yeah we, we wrote it with the mennonite church in mind and so it is specific to to our community hmm we mentioned uh the intersection between drama and the church as a whole um what is the intersection between mennonites and drama that you have seen is there or is there a difference I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what we're still figuring out. I mean, Mennonites in on the whole have been so receptive of of our work and really supportive of it. So I think there's a thirst there for engaging with um, ideas and relationships and theology and questions about society in a creative way. Um, maybe like there's this you know sort of old assumption that Mennonites aren't artsy or don't dance, but I think. I think there is a, a longing or like an openness to engaging in th- with those things in a creative way. So hopefully we're th- mm-hmm. touching on that. I was going to say, it's, it's right there in the title, right? Yeah, this yeah. will lead to dancing. Right, right. This is like, it kind of it kind of tells, to, to me anyway, like it, to a, and to a Mennonite congregation, mm-hmm. maybe a more traditional one sure. would say, oh, this is sort of, you know, right away, oh, this is going to push some buttons. Sure, this yeah, might lead yeah. To, this might lead to dance. Yeah. This was intentional, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Yeah, sometimes it's okay to to push buttons if things are done respectfully and what we try to do with our place is leave things a little open-ended we don't try to answer questions we often raise more questions which can be challenging but encourages the communities to talk Hmm. with each other rather than giving people straight cut answers what questions have you seen uh come out of this product like after you performed in churches what questions have you seen come out of uh or what questions have you informed i suppose would be Hmm. a better question well, after this production, we did something a little different. Usually, following our performances, we do a talk back, and we often call that the second act. Um, we decided not to do that with this play just because it is a hot topic right now, and we weren't sure how the audiences would respond and sure. that it could be a little sensitive. So what we did was we provided feedback forms after each performance, and we've received a lot of different um, forms with, when which people have raised questions they some people have come out in these forms anonymously wow. and so it we think we've created a bit of a safe space for the conversation to continue um i think some churches have you know continued this dialogue together and, and with other churches that are around them um yeah there's lots of like conversations coming up with a larger church as well and so we hope that this will continue to just spur those on yeah, absolutely. What an important role this is playing. Um, what do, what is the, what are the next steps for Theater of the Beat? What's next? What what's anything well, on the horizon? Yeah, actually, right now I'm working on a new play called Yellow Bellies, mm. which is an exploration of stories of conscientious objectors in World War II. And we're partnering with um, the Mennonite Heritage Center as well as the Ontario Mennonite Archives on this piece. So I'm working with a couple CMU students to uh, research the play, and then we'll perform it in Waterloo in June at a peace building conference and then take it on tour after that. So that's mm-hmm. that's the next one. I understand that one of these researchers is one of our past guests, Jonas Cornelson. That's right, yeah. yeah. Couldn't have picked a better researcher. Nice. <laughs> um, one of the, okay, we'll wrap it up in a bit for you. And I realize you probably have to get back to your you know other job. How, how, are you, how do you juggle all this? How do you stay, uh, I don't know, like you're doing theater, you're recruiting students. Mm. What's, the, what's the secret? I'm sure lots of students want to know the secret to juggling a lot of things at once. <laughs> Well, to be honest, it is a lot. Like, I had a chat with my colleague from Theatre of the Beat this week, and we're like, burnout is a real thing, especially when you're doing art and not getting paid a lot for it. Right. Um, 
but I think what keeps me going is I'm just energized by the work and being creative with other Theatre of the Beat um, colleagues and meeting people across the country. Like, it's just energizing. And so that I would encourage students to find something that energizes them because even if you're busy, you'll be hopefully loving it while you're doing it. Absolutely. And if you could have any role in any production, what would it be and why? <laughs> uh, I think it'd be fun to play Anne Frank in Someday. It'd be a fun role. Anne Frank. Anne Frank why, why, yeah. why, why Anne Frank? Well, one time I did a monologue from The Diary of Anne Frank, the play, and I just, I don't know, I connected with, with the text. So Wow. Yeah. That's really awesome. Well, thank you so much for stopping in today, oh, Rebecca. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Rebecca Steiner is the recruitment coordinator here at CMU and general manager of Theatre of the Beat. You can book performances of their productions on their website, theaterofthebeat.ca. Really awesome of Rebecca to join us today and Craig on uh, Craig's Corner here on Wittenberg Radio today. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about upcoming uh, CMU activities. Of course, the Improv Club is back, Dan. Improv Improv! Club. Yes, that's happening every Tuesday at 7.30 in D33, which is right beside where you record this very podcast. Uh, just up the stairs from the lecture hall, uh, Improv Club is... Uh, they People come together, they play games on uh, and move their bodies, engage in brain, and what the heck is this even saying? <laughs> Um, okay, they play games while moving and using their brains to create scenes that have never been seen before and will never be seen again. Uh, Join yeah. one of the newest cults, Improv. This, is, <laughs> this script, man, it is late in the day. Uh, for more uh, information, contact Selena Hildebrandt on Facebook or email at hildebrandtse at student.cmu.ca. Um, what else have we got going on? Uh, we've got some athletic results to report. Uh, women's volleyball fell at uh, UW. It was a 3 nothing loss there, but did take a victory on the weekend um, over universe, uh, over, uh, I'm not going to say the French again. We're going to say the, the university. The USB. The USB. We'll say that. Universal serial bus. That's right. <laughs> they never go in the right way the first time. <laughs> women's volleyball versus USB. They took a 3-2 win over the weekend. Uh and uh, men's volleyball uh, took a 3 nothing win over USB. Uh, men's and women's basketball also was in action over the weekend. Women's basketball took a pair of losses. Uh, so did men's basketball. But we'll bounce back and get them next time. Won't we, gang? Yeah, we will. Of course we will. <laughs> I, didn't use a, I didn't use a French accent that time, so that was... Oh, I was laughing at you speaking to yourself. Oh, so, yeah. You're encouraging yourself <laughs> as a group of people. Yes, it is. I am, yeah, I'm, I'm just so darn encouraging. Yes, and for all information on CMU athletics, schedules, etc., latest player signings, I think that's a thing that they do. Like, they write these big write-ups for, like, when yes. they sign players. That's very helpful. I saw, I, I saw, we, saw we signed a new goalkeeper. Yes. Yes. Lydia. Lydia Balsilli. Balsilli, yes. That's right. I, was, I wasn't 100% sure on the pronunciation of the last name, so I didn't I think want to, I didn't think, want to gamble. I th well, I'm not sure either, so if you're listening, Lydia, I apologize. Um, or Janet Brenneman, for that matter. Um, yeah, so that's all exciting. Check it out. Athletics.cmu.ca is the place to do that. I think we're going to wrap the show up there. So, as always, check out 
uh, Wittenberg Radio, wittenbergradio.com for past episodes. Subscribe on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. It comes right to your iPhone. What a deal. All for free. And always tweet at us at Wittenberg Radio. We'll tell you when the next episode comes out. Facebook, Wittenberg Radio. And email us your show ideas. That's what we should have let off with at the start of this episode. Um, also, general advice, uh, comments, questions, concerns at wittenbergradio at gmail.com. So until next week, my name is Nolan Kaler. And I'm Daniel Friesen. We'll see you then. See ya. Wittenberg Radio is a production of CMU Student Council. The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests are not necessarily those of CMU Student Council.